Hello, everybody. We are back on a hero. It's been a hell of a long time. Um, good Lord. Uh, Might have been a couple months now. Uh, maybe the whole summer. I'm your host today. Uh, you got uh, Melly Mel. Um, yeah, we had a, a huge hiatus. I was actually I was out. I mean, not only working, but I was doing some acting gigs, some uh, some stand up comedy a little bit here and there. Uh, my uh, summer was kind of um, really, really hectic. Um, Vic had uh, had another kid, so he's busy being a, a father of two. Um, T, he's been like training like a motherfucker. He's going through some like harsh course. Uh, Greg just working nonstop around the clock, so it couldn't be here. Alex, um, same thing. Uh, so no one can be here today. Everyone's been really, really busy, but I haven't forgot about you guys. Um, there's a lot that we need to catch up on. There's a lot that I wanted to talk about that I didn't get a chance to talk about. A lot my team wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I'm just happy to be back and, um, Happy, happy that you motherfuckers are actually listening. Um, okay, so today, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things that happened, but uh, it's going to be a spoiler episode. I want to be, uh, I want to review Thor. I want to review Obi Wan Kenobi. She Hulk just came out. Um, watched that. Really enjoyed it. Um, I saw the new Dragon Ball Z movie also, and uh, I want to talk about some comic books. So. Um, that being said, uh, just again, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for hopping on, and we're gonna get right to it. So I want to start with Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, in case people, again, this is gonna be a spoiler episode. A lot of spoilers going on, but I'm gonna talk about the things that worked. I'm gonna talk about the things that did not work, and I'm gonna do that for Obi Wan. I'm gonna do that for Thor. I'm gonna do that for She Hulk. I'm gonna do that for Dragon Ball Z. Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. Love the series. Absolutely loved it. You can go listen to our past episodes where we talk about the earlier episodes, me, Terrence, and, and Vic, but absolutely love the series. If you guys haven't watched it, if you're a big fan of Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is this series that you guys need to watch. What worked? Literally everything that Darth Vader did. Everything Vader did worked. This should... This should this series should almost been called like Obi-Wan and Darth Vader because <clears throat> we got to see if you're a Darth Vader fan, you, we got to see Darth Vader in like all of his glory, his wonderful glory, everything you wanted to see from Vader in New Hope, in Empire, Return of the Jedi. We got a taste of it in Rogue One at the end of it when he just slaughters all of those um, uh, the people on the ship leading into a new hope. But this show takes Vader to a whole nother level and they explore Vader in all of his eerie and uh, scary majesty. Why people, why the, uh, why the rebels, why everyone is in fear of this guy. I mean, there's one scene where Vader just comes into town and just kills random people. And you're watching this and you're going, holy shit, this is. 1000% not Anakin anymore. I mean, we knew that when he started slaughtering kids, but um, we get to see Vader in his dark majesty and how he has, because oh, this takes place like 10 years after, um, 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, I want to say. So we see Vader um, 
as a full-on Sith in the way he fights. I mean, we've seen him advance in his powers. He has a fight scene with a third sister, and he doesn't even use a lightsaber on her. He, like, force pushes her, like, all over the place, like a rag doll. Um, his, uh, his, how he knew that the third sister was going to betray him the whole time was kind of wild, but it is it, almost like very like Batman esque, but everything with Vader, with him catching the ship, all of the Vader scenes worked, loved him in this show. Another thing that worked Vader versus Obi-Wan in the final, in the final episode, just sipping on some e-boost. Um, Awesome fight scene. Um, oh, and let, let me preface by saying this. For for all of these things that worked, all these that didn't work, this is me. This isn't T, isn't Greg, because they all have different opinions. It isn't Vic. This is me and what I think. Because I'm going to say some like wild shit, especially with She-Hulk. And it's all going to be on me. Anyway, the Vader versus Obi-Wan scene, I thought I thought really worked. Um, there were some silly moments. Uh <laughs> Fucking when he just started throwing rocks. I, that was <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> throw all the rocks at him. It was just a, a little wild. But overall, I think um, the build to that fight scene and all the emotion and Obi-Wan realizing that this is no longer Anakin and that I'm going to throw down with this guy. And even Vader telling Obi-Wan that this isn't, I'm not Anakin anymore. Like that guy's long gone. And the realization uh, that Obi-Wan has, I thought was, uh, I thought was really, really special. And it, um, elevated the scene, elevated the series. It's what, it's what I wanted to see. It's, I wanted to see how they got there, how they got to a new hope where, um, Obi-Wan and Vader had that face off and Obi-Wan, he's like, yeah, I'm fighting Vader right now. And when he talks to Luke in a new hope, he's like, yeah, your father died in the clone wars. I wanted to see how we got there because the last time we saw these two go at it, it was Revenge of the Sith. And there was still a lot of love that Obi-Wan had for Anakin. And it was gone in A New Hope. So this series showed that journey that Obi-Wan went to into A New Hope where we see that Obi-Wan has accepted that this is no longer Anakin. I'm going to throw it out with this guy. Um, thought that scene really worked. I loved at first, I was a little weird on it, but I liked the Obi-Wan-Leia team-up. I liked it. It made sense because Leia didn't know who... Ob I mean, Leia knew who Obi-Wan was in, 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 um, in A New Hope. She knew, she knew the guy. So it made sense that they worked together at some point earlier in her life. So I thought that was fine. Um, the new characters, I thought that was really cool. I mean, at first, I was like, is this really needed? But it was fine. I mean, I was fucking sad when that droid died. He sacrificed his life to save that 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 woman. And I was like, fuck. There's something about like robots not talking <laughs> or just like people or or characters not talking in like films like in Wally. -E. I don't know. You just they don't you don't even have to talk and you know how they feel just by actions, which is so powerful. And him just sacrificing himself to save the girl and then dying, I thought was incredibly powerful. And um, the last thing that I thought really worked was Qui-Gon. I mean, we all saw it coming. Um, we all saw it coming. Qui-Gon showing up in the end because it's all Obi-Wan was talking about. Qui-Gon, come to me. It's funny, for 10 years, this guy doesn't show up. What the fuck was Qui-Gon doing for 10 years 
Obi-Wan's been reaching out to you. Also, Yoda was like, yeah, don't worry. I'll send you to the desert and, and Qui-Gon will be there. Imagine being there for 10. Like, dude, I think I'll be, if I was Obi-Wan, I'd be like, Yoda, there's no there's no ghost, dude. What, whatever, whatever shit you're smoking, there's no I've been here for 10 years cutting up meat. This guy hasn't fucking showed up. I don't think he I don't think he's around, but he finally shows up at the end. Uh, which was uh, which was nice. It was nice. A uh, little late, a little late to the game. Uh, Could have helped out Obi Wan a lot, but uh, chose to show up later, and, and that's fine, and that's okay. Um, what did not work? Uh, Luke Skywalker. That did not work. Don't even put him in the fucking show. Like, don't put him in if like you're not going to do anything with him. Like, great in um, uh, Mandalorian. In this show, just get this fucking Obi-Wan just like creepily watching him playing on a rock. I was like, this, I, I don't need to see Obi-Wan creeping up, being a pedo on a, this fucking kid. Just leave Luke Skywalker out. And like when the third sister was hunting down Luke and in A New Hope, Luke has like no recollection of being part of this at all. It's like, I thought that was a very, very weird. It they, That did not need to happen. Which brings me to my next point. The Inquisitors. I'm sorry, man. I didn't watch the fucking Clone War show. Didn't do anything for me. And I was really excited. I thought the spinning of the lightsaber thing, I thought that was actually kind of cool. But we didn't, I mean, fucking Vader just cut that, those, that sword in half. He's like, all right, cool. That shit spins around like a, okay, cool. And he just cuts it in half and it's done. The third sister hunts down Luke Skywalker in the last episode, question mark. Don't know why that happened. Um, she got she got played by Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan was like, yeah, stay and fight Vader. I thought Obi-Wan was going to save her, but he was super, super dick move just leaving her on the planet. And then Darth Vader bitches her. And then and then her her idea is, OK, let me go after Luke. I didn't I don't know. I, I, I didn't get that. Um, deaths that this is my last point. Deaths didn't work for me. Um, the whole. Listen, the uh, they don't explain how the bald inquisitor dude, the the the, the fucking albino. <laughs> I'm kidding. Relax. The white dude, you know, the the bald, the, the the grand inquisitor, when he got stabbed in the stomach, when they shot a, a lightsaber through his stomach, how he survived, and then Vader. Okay, Anakin stabs young third sister in Revenge of the Sith. They show the flashback. And then she survives and becomes an Inquisitor. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe she's robotic in some way. But then Vader does it again. He stabs her again in this show. And she survives. I can imagine Qui-Gon being a Force ghost, watching all this go down. And he's just like, all right, come on. Like, how did... Where are you stabbing them that they're surviving? And I died. Like, Because Qui-Gon died the same way. Darth, Darth Maul stabbed him in the fucking stomach and then he he dies but but this girl she walks out grand inquisitor walks out what what is it maybe i don't know maybe it's something no that's horseshit i was gonna say maybe it's something to do with the red lightsaber but that's horseshit because qui-gon died from it and third sister got stabbed with it so that's that's bullshit maybe in the second season they're gonna explain that third sister's like half cyborg or some shit but the deaths didn't work didn't work for me. But overall, I mean, very nitpicky, like I said, 
I'm going to choose things that didn't work and did work. I was being very, very nitpicky. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the show. Um, if I'm going to give it a, a rating at a 10. Um, um, I think I'll give it like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I'll give it a seven where I'll give like Mandalorian, maybe like a nine. Um, cause I don't see myself rewatching Obi-Wan. Maybe I'll watch like an episode, like that one episode where it starts off with Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, um, uh, uh, sparring. Maybe I'll watch that episode. I really enjoyed that episode. But overall, it was it was fine. It was a good show. It was good. It was good. It, it deserves that seven out of ten. But with uh, Mandalorian, I can watch I can watch that whole series like all over again. Um, yeah, seven out of ten for Obi Wan. Now let's move on to Thor: Love and Thunder. Thor: Love and Thunder. <sighs> okay. Thor: Love and Thunder. For you guys didn't see it, spoilers galore. Again, these are my thoughts. This is not anyone else on my team's thoughts. This is just how I feel about the film. Going into the movie, and just from looking at the commercials, I knew it was going to be a good time. You got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie not expecting much. Like, not expecting a movie like The Departed. You know what I'm saying? Or fucking Inglorious Bastards or... Shawshank Redemption or Logan or The Dark Knight. No, this is Taika Waititi. I mean, yes, Taika Waititi has made some bangers like Thor number two and like Jojo Rabbit, which were funny. And, you know, the story was cohesive and everything worked. But Thor Love and Thunder was basically a Thor Ragnarok on comedic steroids. It was like Taika Waititi was like, fuck it. You know, let's throw throw everything at the fucking wall and this let's just have a blast it's like a party it was like a club like and that's how you got to go into this movie it's a popcorn movie you just need to have fun this was in my opinion way better this was the like marvel movie of the year for sure um better than uh doctor strange um just because it was just fun like you you don't have to think you can put this movie on in the background and let it play and uh as you're cooking or cleaning or some shit and every now and then hear something like really funny or look at the screen and something silly is going on it was a good time i i, I really really had a had a fun time uh with uh, thor love and thunder because i didn't expect much you just have to go in and just uh laugh and just know that it's going to be silly and that it's going to be stupid. It's the dumb and dumber of the fucking um, Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe. But dumb and dumber actually had more feeling to it. But I'll, I'll get into that. So what worked? What worked in this film? For me, um, the love triangle between Thor, Stormbreaker, and Molinier, hilarious. There are... Uh, so many good moments that that moment of them at the um, I think it was a wake. I haven't seen it in so long wake or a funeral. It might have been like a I think it was like a wake or yeah, one of those. But um, yeah, and Stormbreaker enters the scene and acts like a crazy ex and uh, Thor just like fronting like he's like, oh, no, I still love you, babe. Uh, I wasn't checking out Molinier at all. Really, really good stuff, and it just goes on throughout the whole entire film. Where Stormbreaker, his his like his uh, his axe of a hammer, just has an attitude with Thor the whole entire film. That all worked for me. Thought it was really, really funny. The beginning of the film was really funny. 
the beginning of the film sets the stage for how silly the movie's going to be with Thor at one point doing a split in the air and like holding that position and uh, kicking these two like vehicles that are coming at him. Uh, It's just great, great shit. Um, Lady Thor, I thought that really worked. Um, All of her action, all of her action scenes, loved all of the action scenes that Lady Thor was in. Really, really fun. Um, uh, we got a lot of fun action sequences from her. Uh, Natalie Portman. Whew. I mean, I think she's bad. I think she's. I think she's a fucking badass. Um, damn. And uh, she's looking fit in this fucking film. She looked great. Um, the comic accuracy. Uh, I, I really liked. I like that they they shed some. Uh, they they threw in some comic moments that you'll find that comic readers will really appreciate. Like some scenes. Um. Like that scene of Thor in like the snowy mountains or whatever. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Vic, he 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 read the series, but how Lady Thor, every time she turns into Thor, she kind of gets weakened a little more. That was comic accurate. I enjoyed that part. Gore's motivation, Gore played by uh, Christian Bale, his motivation into turning evil because of his daughter dying. People said that was a little rushed in the beginning, and it was, but I thought it was enough. Like, I didn't need for it to bleed a little more. Like, I thought that was enough for me. His daughter died. He was sad. I felt something. Um, yeah, I, I, thought that, I thought that worked for me. Thor's, uh, Gore's motivation. Another thing that worked, I like to see Val, I like seeing Valhalla at the end. I liked seeing it. I like seeing um, Idris Elba over there, uh, Lady Thor showing up in Valhalla. I thought that was cool. Um, now, what didn't work? There were zero stakes. And this is why I was saying in the beginning, you just got to go into this film and have fun because there are zero stakes in this film. At not one point, are you going to feel bad? Are you going to feel sad? Are you going to be shocked? Because it's just way too humorous that it overshadows everything. And that leads into my next thing. Zero stakes. and the shock value moments, the the quote unquote constant deaths did not land. There's a scene where the rock guy, he gets blown to pieces by Zeus and everyone's like, oh, no, no. And Thor like yells, no, you know, off the bat, nothing th- that nothing bad happened. You knew that he was going to come back. when. There's a first fight scene that they have against Gore, and it's uh, I think her name is shit. She's the new she oversees um, Asgard now. She was in Thor Ragnarok, but um, I forgot her fucking name. Anyway, uh, her Lady Thor and Thor, they battle Gore. And you know what? I don't want to disrespect. Let me look that shit up right now because that's going to bother me. I want to get I want to get that name right. Thor, love and thunder, love and thunder, Thor, love and thunder. The cast, she's played by Valkyrie, boom, Valkyrie by Tessa Thompson. So Valkyrie, she almost dies against the battle of battle with Gore. And you and then at not one point, do you think she's actually dead because it's silly and she's not dead. And same thing with the rock guy, not dead. None of that works. 
Lady Thor 2, it should have been, it could have been more emotional when Natalie Portman died. And it wasn't at all because they didn't spend time with it. And it should have been more emotional with Gore's ending, but it wasn't because that leads into one of my other things that didn't work. Gore's character development was almost non-existent. We saw Gore in the beginning of the film and then we never saw him. We barely saw him. We just saw him like taunting the kids that he kidnapped. But there was barely any character development from, from Gore. So we didn't get to see his journey um, and what he was thinking. And I wish we spent time with Gore where he was reminiscing about his life with his daughter and maybe a scene where a kid is talking to him and he's and he's conflicted that what he's doing is wrong and killing the gods are wrong. And he's remembering his daughter. I wish we had something like that, but we only got it at the very end. And it didn't work because it was just way too silly, the entire film, which is fine. It's, you know, but it just didn't work. <sighs> Fucking Zeus, Zeus, um, Russell Crowe talking like Super Mario. It's a me, a Zeus. Uh, I'm like, yikes. Wow, that was okay. If again, funny, but you took this amazing character in Zeus, in fucking Zeus, and you made him into a joke. And what 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 I really enjoyed about Thor Ragnarok is I don't give a fuck about Thor. Let me just say that I don't give a fuck about Thor. I didn't back then. I like now. I'm like I'm in the comic books. I'm reading Thor versus the Hulk in the Banner War, and it's good. Thor, Thor has an amazing writer right now in Donny Cates. Donny Cates knows how to write Thor, so it's good. It's I enjoy his writing, but as a character, I don't care about Thor really. Like I'm, I would, I wouldn't pick up his books unless a good writer was writing for him. But I, yeah, I, I don't really care about Thor. And what Thor Ragnarok did was what Taiki Watiti did was he took this character. And he made him likable. He made him enjoyable. So any, anyone that doesn't give a fuck about this, like godlike character, he made him relatable and funny. Zeus, come on, man. That's such a great character. And you just destroyed him now. Like, it's irredeemable. Like, I will never take the Zeus character seriously. And now it's, it's gone, which is a shame. And that leads into my other thing. What didn't work was... I mean, for me, you know, people in the fucking audience, they were going, yeah, Hercules. When Hercules showed up at the end, didn't work for me. Not at all. Not even the least bit. I'm like, all right. Another character that I, I could give two shits about. But the way the lead in into showing into showing Hercules was uh, Russell Crowe on the ground, like talking and trying to be serious. It doesn't work because I think you're a joke, dude. And I think your son's a joke also now. I also don't care for Hercules. Maybe that's why it, it really didn't land. I was hoping to see like an X-Men or like Adam Warlock because they teased him in Guardians of the Galaxy number two at the end of it. But we got Hercules and I'm like, meh. That guy dies in the Civil War comics. Like rope, like cybernetic Thor kills him. I don't, I don't really care for Hercules. Um, let me take a sip real quick. All right. And the last thing. 
the last thing that did not work for me in this fucking show was the final fight scene against Gore, where this fucking guy, Thor, it should have been, you know, if you want to make it about Thor, it should have been Lady Thor and Thor going up against Gore or Thor against Gore and then Lady Thor shows up and make it look cool. But Thor somehow gives his powers to these fucking kids and it becomes this like that was like not even funny. It was cringeworthy. And the kids start fighting against Gore and his army with toys that are powered by Molinier and by like the God of Thunder. So it's like electricity going on. These kids are like playing. Yikes. Like put that in a Marvel series, but not in a fucking movie in the final fight scene. Like, what the fuck is this about? Okay, I'm like, maybe for, okay, for kids, I guess maybe under 10 years old, maybe they really enjoyed that part. And I get that. I totally get it. But there was a lot of other like adult themes in this film. So then to end it, like, it's like, oh, no, 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 wait. It's like a children's movie. It's like, but no, it's not, though. Then it would have been, like, rated G. And you could have had it rated G from the start. It's not a kid. Like, it, it was unfair almost. It was like a slap in the face to adults. Like, hey, by the way, you know, this whole time you guys were having fun because it is a kid's movie. And now we're going to have the kids save the day. It's like, dude, what the fuck is this? Some kid running around with a teddy bear that's a, like that that's an electrified teddy bear, like, like fighting. It, some little wimp kid with I, I hated it. I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? He's like, let's go team. My fucking niece does that. She goes, let's go team. And she's cute as shit. But I wouldn't put my niece in a battle against a god, some dude who's been killing gods. Like it was dumb. It was kind of irresponsible of Thor, too. To be like, hey kids, I won't, I won't protect you. You're gonna throw down too. Super irresponsible. Maybe there's a deleted scene that I didn't watch where Thor is like, oh, yeah, by the way, I had your kid fight. <laughs> I've had your kid fight Gore. Imagine being that kid's parent. What the fuck? You had my kid fight Gore? What are you, an idiot? And he's like, well, I am an idiot. Like, he is an idiot for doing that shit. That was the dumbest fucking scene. Um, but... Uh, those are things that didn't work and they didn't work for a reason because the, like I said in the beginning, the movie was really fun. It was just supposed to be fun. And, and that's fine. I just wish that I wish that it had some, some elements that took itself seriously, like in Thor Ragnarok, like in Thor Ragnarok, the Hulk and Bruce Banner and how he was how yes the scene was funny but he how he was battling internally of him going i was gone for two years and his last thought was scarlett johansson like there and 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 thor battling with you know him losing molinier and him putting all his all his weight into uh in, into an object and not seeing his true potential there were so many good things about Ragnarok that we didn't get. There was so much heart in Ragnarok, and there was almost no heart in Love and Thunder. And they tried to front like there was heart, but there wasn't, unfortunately. Um, and that's my uh, that's my two cents on uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. So, 
the next thing we're going to talk about is She-Hulk. Again, I'm going to say this again. These are my thoughts. This is not my team's thoughts because I'm going to get kind of polarizing now. Um, all right. So let me just start. I'll start off with the good. Then I'll get into cutting ass. But with the good, She-Hulk is fucking awesome. It is a fucking good time. And why it's awesome is because it gets right into the fucking story. It's fast paced. It's fun. It's easy to understand. Fight scenes are good. All right, let me just get right into it. So the pacing of it was incredible. It gets right into it. Um, you don't have to wait too long. One of my fears, my, my biggest fear into going into a new, a new show is how long it's going to take for it to get going. And that's why, like, I have a huge problem with anime. I don't, I'm not a big anime guy. I'll watch, like, the only two animes that I'll watch is One Punch Man and My Hero Academia, which I kind of fell off a bit from. I was watching Naruto for a bit, but, like, I fell off because, like, anime has this thing about including a bunch of filler episodes, essentially episodes that have nothing to do with the story which I find so silly, but I have a hard time getting into shows because I'm like, okay, how long do I have to wait for this to get going with She-Hulk? How long does it take to get going? About a minute. And that minute is the introduction. It's her, it's, it's uh, She-Hulk establishing, establishing herself as a, as a lawyer it, right in that minute. And then in that minute, at the end of that, like that couple, that couple minutes in the beginning of the show, she's like, okay, let me show you how I turn into the Hulk. And they get right into it. Bruce Banner, she's in the car with Bruce Banner. Um, they're explaining a bunch of shit. They're explaining why Bruce Banner is a human now. He has this device on his arm that turns him back into a human. He's hurt. It all worked. They get right into her turning into the fucking Hulk. We don't have to wait like a couple episodes. It goes right into it, which is great. And she turns to the Hulk because they go into a car crash because a Sakaar ship, which is from the planet that Hulk was in Thor Ragnarok, a Sakaar ship comes right in front of their car as they're driving. I think they're going on a vacation or some shit. And um, she Hulk, she gets surprised, drives off the road, crashes. She has a huge gash on her arm, a huge gash on her arm. That's and it's opened up and the Hulk. Um, well, it's Bruce Banner. He's not the Hulk. He's in humanized form. And he crawls out of the car and She-Hulk pulls him out of the car and he bleeds into her open wound. So the blood goes into her open wound, goes inside her body, and she gets exposed to Gamma that way. And she turns into, and she turns into the Hulk, which leads me into uh, the other thing that worked for me about this show was how She-Hulk can control uh, being, um, being herself and being the Hulk, that there's no split personality. Because with the Hulk, it's a split personality. It's Bruce Banner, and it's also the Hulk. And he's battling. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's battling with these. He's battling with. It's not a two-person. It's not like um, Bruce Banner has two personalities. No, it's another person living in his fucking mind. And it's the Hulk. It's another person living in his body. She-Hulk doesn't have that. She can just turn into this diesel green-like creature, but she's still she's still herself. I don't know why I'm not. I don't know why I can't remember her name. She-Hulk. 
I don't I don't know. I'm blanking on her alter ego. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, that's funny. In the cast, when I look it up on IMDb, it just says She-Hulk. It doesn't even say her fucking name. Jesus Christ. I know everyone listening is going, I know it's Jennifer Walters. Jennifer Walters. That's what it is. Jennifer Walters. So, so Jennifer Walters can still be herself when she turns into it. And the reason why this works is because she got exposed to a little bit of gamma that fell into uh, that from, from, from Bruce Banner's blood. And um, just because it's a little bit, it just makes sense to me. Why Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk and why he's uncontrollable is because he was literally caught in a gamma radiation explosion. It was an explosion of gamma. So he just like just full on, you know, he should be dead. But instead, he's uh, he has two. He has another person living inside of him now. Pause. So this makes sense. Why? Why the Hulk? Why she Hulk? Why Jennifer Walters can control it? Because she has a little bit of gamma. Fourth wall breaking in this show, She-Hulk is the only character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Deadpool doesn't count yet. I mean, I mean, that we will see Deadpool soon because the uh, Disney acquired uh, uh, Fox's characters. But as of right now, She-Hulk is the only person that has had that is uh, that breaks the fourth wall. And it's fun and it works. And I'm really excited for her to meet Deadpool and for them both to uh, break the fourth wall and talk to the audience. I thought that's going to be awesome. And I don't care that, you know, She-Hulk in the comic books has never broken the fourth wall. Maybe she does. I've never read the She-Hulk comic. But, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, Deadpool is the only one that does it. But I, I don't care because it's just it's refreshing. You know, Marvel, they do a good job about like... Um, Keeping things fresh, uh, for the most part. I mean, they can get pretty formulaic uh, in some ways. They do a good thing in, in keeping it fresh with um, different environment, um, exploring different themes. Like we saw that in Moon Knight, you know, the Egyptian theme, um, schizophrenia. Um, in WandaVision, it uh, was um, like a love, uh, like a love show. Um, Captain America and and. Captain America and Falcon was a political show, so they, they do they do a good uh, um, they do a good job in creating diverse series. And this, you know, Marvel is very known for doing comedy, but this is very very different because She Hulk is, it's 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 silly in a different way where Thor is more like gag, I guess, like gag silly, just like really like childish, stupid humor. This is more quirky. I think that's the word I was looking for. She-Hulk is a lot more quirky. And it's fun. And uh, it's refreshing. It's different. I like the four, the fourth wall break that she does. Another thing that works for me on the show was the fight scene at the very end. I was like, nice. It was so cool. We, we got normal fight scenes because she does throw down with the Hulk at some point in the episode. But at the end of the episode, she's about to do like, um, she's about to start a case like they're in the courtroom and then some bitch breaks in and then she fights her and it's almost like this pow bam like um, Adam West Batman like um, what is that like the 70s or 60s I don't know when the fuck it was but it worked it was fun it was different they do it reminded me of Scott Pilgrim versus the world like those kind of fight scenes 
where um you know it's uh they zoom in it's like slow motion it's not like over the top slow motion like morbius but it's uh it, it's fun it's it's a different kind of fight scene I, I recommend you watching you watching it because i think it's gonna get i think it's gonna get more fun from here on out and i, I hope that we see more fight scenes like this because it just wasn't it wasn't regular it, it, it was good stuff now what didn't work what did not work Dude, I fucking hate the Smart Hulk. I hate Smart Hulk. You know why? Because it's basically Bruce Banner jacked. It's just jacked Bruce Banner. Fucking useless. Useless. I don't even know why he transforms into Smart Hulk. Honestly. Like, you got to wear bigger clothes now, dude. You just want to look jacked now? Okay, it's fine if you just want to look jacked. But it makes zero sense. He was fucking useless in that fight in Avengers Endgame. Absolutely useless. All he did was snap the fingers. He brought everyone back, which was great. But after that, I'm like, dude, sit down because you suck. Like, you're not going to do anything. You're just jacked. Remember when they go back in time and then I think it was Iron Man or Captain America. They go back in, t- back in time in Avengers Endgame to the first Avengers film when Loki, he brings his army. And they were like, yeah, just act like the Hulk. And then it was a funny scene. Bruce Banner, he's just like, he just like throws stuff. He's like, oh, this is me angry. I'm like, yeah, because you suck. Who wants to watch? (laughs) Imagine a a movie with this motherfucker with smart Hulk. Who the fuck wants to watch that? The Edward Norton movie was badass when he throws down with Abomination. Can you imagine smart Hulk versus Abomination? He'll get destroyed in a second. He's just fighting some jack dude. That's it. Dude, he sucks. What also was horrible was this nonsense training scene that he had with She-Hulk. Absolutely made no sense. You got to learn how to be a Hulk. You got to meditate. You got to throw rocks. It's like, bro, when you were at your peak... You were just destroying shit. And also, you weren't in the driver's seat. So how the fuck do you know about being a Hulk when you're not the fucking Hulk? You're Bruce Banner, dickhead. When Can someone tell me when in Avengers and in Age of Ultron, when the Hulk was meditating? <laughs> when did this happen? I remember when Captain America said Hulk smash and then he was started, he just he, he punched that huge alien and everyone in the theater started like cheering. I don't remember when Captain America was like, dude, can you take a seat real quick and just like meditate on like the strategy that we should be doing today? I don't remember any of that. I don't remember Captain America going, yo, uh, can you go over there and just grab that boulder and just throw it? No, Hulk just leaped on top of a fucking building and grabbed an alien and shoved his face into another building and then jumped to another fucking building. And in Age of Ultron, he was awesome, just killing killing robots. Smart Hulk, you would do fucking nothing. You suck, dude. Why are you teaching She-Hulk how to be lame? That makes absolutely no sense. So fucking dumb. I hated that fucking scene. I felt for Jessica when she's like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? This is, this is stupid. Um, all right, and I guess the, uh, the next thing that didn't work for me 
that didn't work for me. And this is going to get this is going to get a little dicey and a little polarizing. All right. Just a heads up. This didn't work for me. Okay. It's before Jessica leaves and she's talking to Bruce Banner. I think you know where I'm going with this. And he's like, you need to complete your training. And she's like, I'm in control. And then she tells him this. She's like, I've I've always been in control of my anger. Hold on. Let me preface. I don't want to get into this yet because I don't want to take it out of context. Let me preface it by saying this. Everyone has a hard life. And I, I truly believe that. I think everyone has a very, very hard life. Maybe some people aren't good at explaining it. Maybe some people are better at burying it deep down inside. But there's a lot of stress and anxiety in the world. A lot of people with mental problems because people don't know how to talk. And yes, therapy is very important. But my point is, everyone has it tough. Literally, everyone has it tough. Everyone has their own. Everyone is living in their own fucking movie. Some people have it worse than others. For sure, some people have it worse than others. But I wouldn't put them in a fucking category. I wouldn't say this certain person or this race of people or this gender have it worse. Yes, for sure, during a time, you know, some people weren't allowed to vote. Some people weren't allowed to do X, Y, and Z. Yes, 1,000%. But everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has a fucking hard time. Everyone. So to say that I, I suffer more than you, I think is kind of bullshit. I think that's bullshit because how do you fucking measure that? So in this scene, She-Hulk, she goes, you know, I've been catcalled my whole life. I've been mansplained things. People tell me things that I already know. So I've been controlling my anger infinitely more than you. That's what bothered me. The other things, okay. 100%. I get that. Cat calling. I mean, I've seen it happen to my girlfriends. Fucking, you know, um, quote unquote mansplaining or like, come on. Everyone experiences that when people tell you things that you already fucking know, but you got to pretend that you don't know whatever the situation is, whether it's your boss, whether it's someone that you respect. It happens all the time, even to dunces when they're telling you something that you already know. You're like, dude, I already fucking know that. Okay. And it's taking me a lot not to blow up on you because I'm a nice person. Everyone, this happens to everybody. So I get that. But the thing is, I have been doing it infinitely more than you. I thought was like, you know, a little unfair. I hate getting fucking political. I just thought that was a little bit unfair because, like I said, everyone has their own struggles. People don't fucking talk. Everyone's holding in their fucking anger. You think Bruce Banner, this fucking nerd, this nerd, had it easy his whole life. He was probably one of those dorks that were getting pushed and shoved on the train. Trying to get on the train and getting shoved by some crazy Chinese lady at the flushing station. Like he he was a dork. He was probably picked on all the time. Meeting deadlines, working for asshole bosses, working for Tony Stark, being lied to, you know, having to deal with the government. I mean, like even before he turned into the Hulk and had all of these anger issues that he needs to control on a daily basis, saving the world, putting up with, with shit people like Tony Stark, trying to keep it together, being unable 
to have a relationship, having the pressure of like, you know, coming up with new inventions or new ways to keep people safe, all of that pressure. And again, even him as a scientist, 100% he was holding in his anger. I just thought that was such horse shit. You should have just left it. Again, this is my opinion. This is my opinion. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I think everyone has it bad. Just a lot of people don't talk about it. Everyone has a very rough life. It's almost, for me, right now, I mean, right now in this time that we're living in, it's super unfair to say, like, I suffer more than you. How the fuck do you, are you with me every fucking day, every fucking minute of the day? Do you know what I go through? Like, that's, that, that's crazy to me. And, okay, keeping this back into comic books, I'm 1,000% sure Bruce Banner controls his anger pretty well. It's just that there's literally another dude living in his fucking body. It's not, I control my anger better than you. No, it shouldn't have been that. It should have been, why the fuck are you teaching me how to throw a rock and meditate when I'm completely in control? It should have been that, and that's it. Why are we doing this? This is so dumb. That's what it should have been. <laughs> That's the only thing that bugged me. I don't, I just don't, I just didn't think that was fair. But overall, overall, I really enjoyed the show. I, re, I, I think it's a fun time. If you're not watching She-Hulk, please watch it. I have a feeling this is going to be Mar- one of Marvel's strongest shows after Loki. Loki was hands down my number one. I think this might be like the second strongest show for sure. If you're not watching She-Hulk, put that shit on, bitch. All right. Um, and the last thing I wanted to review, well, last not last movie, I guess. I saw Dragon Ball Z, that, that new Dragon Ball Z movie. Fucking awesome. If you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, please fucking watch this movie. I'm going to spoil it. in. So turn off this podcast or, you know, look at the um, timestamps in the podcast because I'm going to talk about comic books after this and look for that timestamp. But I'm going to spoil this movie in three, two, one. Okay. This is this what this is what makes this movie so great is the fucking writer. The writer returning from the original Dragon Ball Z series, him returning cuz he didn't write Dragon Ball GT. He wrote the original Dragon Ball Z series and him returning and giving everyone their justice. If you watch Dragon Ball Z Super, it is a fantastic show. It's no longer that speed fighting where you can't even see them fighting. No, like the animation is fantastic because they're actually showing legitimate martial arts going on in this fucking in this fucking show. Now, it is amazing. They're bringing back like old powers that you haven't seen, like in Dragon Ball Z Super Trunks. He uses Masenko. He uses Vegeta's Gallic gun. Like for a while in the original Dragon Ball Z series, you're like, okay, everyone, they have their own technique and they stick to that technique. But since the writer has come back, he's like, no, 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 no. These are martial artists. They can learn new techniques or they can copy their colleagues' techniques. And I love it. It is so good. And everyone gets their, everyone gets their fair shake. Trunks got a W. Vegeta almost got a W. But from a technicality, he didn't. Like, he basically beat Frieza in one of the movies. But from a technicality, because, like, Frieza, like, blows up the planet, like, and Goku has to save it again. Technicality. But my point is everyone gets a W. 
Broly gets redeemed in the new Broly movie. In this new Dragon Ball Z movie, it's focused on Piccolo and on Gohan. And for the longest time, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, now you're like, okay, Piccolo is just a side character. Gohan is just a side character. They had their glory days. It's all about Vegeta and Goku. Nope, not no more. Not since this writer has come back. You probably think that in Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball GT never existed. Put that out of your mind because this writer is like, fuck that. Everyone is a badass. And this movie does it fucking justice. Piccolo, bro. Piccolo reaches this new level that's almost like Super Saiyan God. And he does it because Shenron gives him the power to do it. He, he, so it, uh, they, and the, by the way, this movie does a great job of like showing what happens in the past Dragon Ball Z episodes to catch you up. So Piccolo, he, um, he remembers that Akami, a, another Namekian, gives Gohan and Krillin, opens up their inner powers. So Piccolo was like, okay, I, that never happened to me because in this movie, they need to fight these androids, right? Um, and Piccolo's like, that's never happened to me. So he summoned Shenron and he asked Shenron to open up his, his inner power. And Shenron's like, bet, I'm going to give you your inner power, but I'm going to give you a little bit more. And dude, there is this scene near the end of the film. Piccolo, he powers up. He gets so angry and powers up. Oh my God, dude, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And we see Piccolo at a new level and he's orange. He's super jacked. Those fucking, um, I don't know if they're tentacles or whatever, like antennas on his head. They're like up at attention, almost like he's a super saiyan. He's orange, super jacked, taller. He looks meaner. He basically looks like Broly Piccolo. And it was one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever, ever, ever. So fucking good. Before I get into the next crazy shit, again, Dragon Ball Z movies, they have a way about just building to amazing moments. There's something about whenever a character comes in to save the day, I fucking love. Krillin in classic Dragon Ball Z movie fashion. If you watch the old Dragon Ball Z movies, whenever someone enters, they enter in a big way. Like in the BoJack movie. Vegeta, he um, uh, when he enters like the fight, it's almost like a big bang attack. He just like attacks one of the villains, shows up. Back then, Krillin used to enter with Destructo Disc, and you hear it. Piccolo used to always save Gohan. In this movie, at some point, everyone like um, we see Trunks older, Goten a little bit older, Krillin, Android eighteen. They all come to throw down against this against these um this android these androids. Um, well, they come in because um. Spoiler alert, again, this uh, the grandson of Dr. Jirou creates Cell Max. So we see Cell, but he's like a giant. It's really cool. But like these guys come in. Krillin comes in with Destructo Disc. It all fucking works. But the best part about this film is like, is Gohan. Because in the beginning... They're hyping up Gohan to be like the man, but it all kind of gets dropped off in the Boo saga. He does come back at Mystic Gohan. But Gohan, like, if you watch the Cell saga, you're like, okay, Gohan's going to be like the OG. He's going to be the best. 
in this movie, we see it, dude. We see it. Yo, okay. So Gohan, he is right now like a nerd. He's like studying. He's going back to school. It pisses off Piccolo. Piccolo, Piccolo's a dick in this movie. He basically tricks Gohan into training, basically into 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 fighting because he wants Gohan to fight. So, so I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the whole entire movie. All you got to know is Gohan enters the fight. Right? He hasn't trained in years, but. The bad guys get Gohan so pissed, and Piccolo is kind of to blame a little bit, by the way. Like, he kind of, like, he poses as a villain. He poses as one of the bad guys, and he tells Pan, Gohan's daughter, to pretend that she's hurt. So Gohan gets angry. And Gohan, he gets so angry that he goes to, while he's fighting one of the androids, he reaches Mystic Gohan. Mystic Gohan is the Gohan we saw versus Majin Buu. In, uh, in the Dragon Ball Z series. And it's excellent. It's excellent. We see Mystic Gohan back. By the way, before that, when Gohan finds out that Pan gets kidnapped, so they're going up against the Red Ribbon, the Red Ribbon Army. When Gohan finds out that Pan gets kidnapped and someone from the Red Ribbon Army goes up to Gohan and is like, yo, we have your daughter. You need to come with us. Gohan is like, what did you say? Dude, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. Gohan powers up. He gets so fucking mad and so fucking pissed. I think any father would feel this. He gets so angry. He goes to Super Saiyan level two. He creates this huge like crater in his backyard. Almost levels his own house, just powering up and and just like saying, where the fuck is my daughter? Just going insane. And it is amazing. It is so good. So then we, okay, so I told you about Mr. Gohan, right? Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Uh, so Gohan and Trunks and Goten, they all can't go to Super Saiyan God mode because they're half human, right? But Gohan can go Mystic Gohan. And in this movie, like I said, we already saw Piccolo go to a new level. In this movie, we see Gohan reach a new level. And it is jaw-dropping. It is, like, mind-blowing. So the first time this movie blows your mind is when Piccolo reaches the next level. And it's phenomenal. I jumped out of my seat. I legitimately jumped out of my seat. When Gohan, dude, he's fighting, he's fighting um, uh, Cell Max. And so what makes Gohan go crazy is if you remember in the Cell Saga, when Cell crushes, I think it's Android 19's head, and you see the red laser light go behind Gohan's head, and he goes crazy and turns Super Saiyan 2 for the first time, that happens in this movie. But it's Piccolo. Because Piccolo, he's like, Gohan, take your time. Power up. I'll hold off Cell Max. So Piccolo's getting his ass whooped the whole time. And everyone tries to help Piccolo. Gohan is still powering up. And then at one point, it looks like Piccolo's about to die. Because Cell hits him so fucking hard that Piccolo's eyes go white. And it's at that moment, Cell is holding Piccolo up, up over his head. Cell's holding this huge Piccolo over his head, like 
I just killed your boy. And Gohan looks, and you see the red light behind Gohan's head. Dude, I'm getting goosebumps. You see the red light go behind Gohan's head. Gohan goes nuts, powers up. And then the reveal, dude? Son. He has white silver hair, red eyes, and he, and this is a giant cell max. A giant cell. He's a giant. He's like, if you guys seen the Typeon movie, he's like that big monster. He throws a punch at Gohan. Gohan doesn't block it. He just takes the punch and nothing happens to him. And Gohan is like, was that it? Yo, the theater went fucking bananas. Gohan reached, dude, Gohan reached this like God level saying almost like mystic God level. And it is fucking beautiful. It is beautiful. Everyone gets their fucking fair shake, dude. Like in like in Dragon Ball Z Super when Trunks turns half blue because Trunks can't turn God. But he turned like rage Super Saiyan. Like when he reached that level, it was like this with Gohan, but a million times better because we don't know how powerful this Gohan is. He looks like he looks like um uh instinct uh instinct uh Super Saiyan Goku. He looks like that. And then, okay, this is the best part. I love, so one of my favorite finishers is Special Beam Cannon, but I love it in Japanese. I just like how they yell it. Japanese people, oh, they're just fun to listen to. (laughs) They're just fun to listen to. I like watching the anime shows in Japanese. I love Special Beam Cannon. Gohan finishes Cell, not with the Kamehameha wave. He finishes Cell with the special beam cannon. And why that's so amazing is because for serious Dragon Ball Z lovers, you know the relationship between Gohan and Piccolo. They are like, Gohan is basically Piccolo's son because Goku just sucks as a father. Piccolo raised Gohan. Goku is such a piece of shit dad. This guy's always training. Bro, you don't work. You can raise your family, but he's always training. Piccolo basically raised Gohan, so he's like his son. So that relationship, that bond is so strong. So to see basically Piccolo's son use his own technique to to defeat the bad guy was just, I almost cried. It was beautiful. It was awesome, and he yells it. Dude, it is so good, man. It is so fucking good. I love this movie. I loved it. I'm I'm probably going to watch it again. But yes... Yes, Dragon Ball Z fucking nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So I'm going to go on to the comic class portion of this show. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a, we're doing a bit of comic class on this. Doing a bit of comic class. Um, very, very quick. Just uh, recommendations that you should be reading. Pick up Batman One Bad Day. Tom King. You can never go wrong with Tom King. Can't go wrong with this guy. He's he's awesome. Matt, he just knows how to write for Batman. This Batman One Bad Day, Tom King, the Riddler, has taken the Riddler character to a whole nother level. He's not a joke anymore. He's so he's serious to the point where literally everyone in Gotham fears the Riddler. 
and how Tom King goes right into the story and his character development and creating these incredibly tense moments and challenging moments for Batman is just something to read. My next pick up Batman killing time. It's done. It's six issues. It's complete. You can go to your comic book store, pick it up. I don't want to spoil anything. It's a lot of reading, but it's a very good read. I know, you know what sucks about like what I'm about to say? I hate it when people are like, you know, it's a slow burn or like, you know, you gotta, you gotta wait for, you gotta wait for the punch. It's kind of like this, but you have a good time because the artwork is incredible. And there are things that are happening in this story that's incredible. So when the final thing hits at the very end, when the final villain is revealed, it hits so good. It's amazing. But the journey there is also incredible because you see a new Batman villain, um, very, very high stakes. It's a mystery story. The Riddler's working with Catwoman. Batman has to end up working with someone who will, who will, be, who will re- remain unnamed, who gives Batman a very hard time. But read Batman Killing Time. You don't need to know anything about you know, other Batman stories or the continuity. You can just pick up Batman Killing Time, pick that shit up. Same thing goes for Amazing Spider-Man. Seven issues in, it's one to seven. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know why Peter's in this current situation. But um, uh, what's this? Uh, why am I blanking? John Romita Jr. He's the, he's the artist. So it's great artwork, a great story going on. It's like really, really fresh. So you can just jump into a new Spider-Man story. And it's, it's grounded. It doesn't take place in space. It takes place with grounded mobster villains like um, Tombstone. Norman Osborn is in it. Um, Spider-Man is a little bit, he's angry for some reason, but he finds his way out of it through help with the Black Cat. But pick up Spider-Man. Um, and um, Batman, Flashpoint Beyond. Another good one. Read that. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm running out of time. But the last thing I wanted to talk about was Dark Crisis. So right now there's a dark, um, the huge crossover in the DC universe is called Dark Crisis, where the Justice League essentially they got they got obliterated, but they didn't. They got sent to alternate realities where everything they wanted, where everything they wanted has come has come true. They live in their perfect worlds. But people think in the regular world that the Just League is dead, but Pariah, the villain, he sent the Just League members, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Black Canary, Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, to these worlds where everything they wanted exists. And the reason I'm bringing this up is it's a good read, but this, this book came out called World Without a Justice League Superman, and we see the world that Superman lives in. I just want to see how beautiful this book is because Superman's a boy scout, you know, nothing hurts him. We're like, what could be perfect for Superman? And it's family. And um, it's fucking awesome. And it hits, man. It, it hits. It's, it's so in the current um, DC comics, his son, John Kent uh, has, is an adult now. So John Kent and Damian Wayne, Batman's son, they had a series called the called the I think like the Super Sons, 
and they were both they were both children. But something happened to John Ken where he was sent away, like into like um, I, I don't know if it was like another universe. Vic can probably tell you guys more about this, but he comes back and he's much older. He's like an adult now, which is kind of lame. But he's an adult. He's like almost Nightwing's age. Um, and why it sucks for the readers was number one, it was cool having John Kent the kid and having Damian Wayne the kid because there's a lot of compelling stories because of their friendship. But also we missed out on those years. And we kind of, you know, we we got to see Damian Wayne. We got to see Dick Grayson. We got to see Tim Drake grow up as characters throughout the years, which was beautiful. But we didn't get to see Jason Todd. And that's what makes the Jason Todd character so compelling because, like, you know, he rough past. And he, uh, he has tough skin. But it sucks with John Kent because we didn't get to see him grow up. But not only did we not get to see him, but Superman didn't get to see him. So in this book called The World Without Superman and the Perfect World for Superman, it's so interesting. But it's a book about John Kent through the eyes of Superman and him watching his son grow up. And it doesn't hit till the very end. It doesn't hit till the very end because, uh, fuck. So he's like, he's like, a, he's like, a, he's like a tough kid and, um, he disobeys his dad a lot. Fuck man. <clears throat> he's, he's, he's not like his dad. And, um, but He's not like his dad. He he does he disobeys a lot of what his dad says. He has a different way of fighting crime. But you get to see John Kent grow up in this comic. Love for motorcycles, different way of doing crime, wearing, you know, different costumes. But what's beautiful about it is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how the kid grew up. But uh what's awesome is that Superman. Fuck, man. The cool thing is that uh, Superman got to see his son grow up. That's what's cool. And that's what's so fucking beautiful about this comic. And why comics are so fucking dope. <sighs> For me, at least. Just like the realistic elements. Is that like, yeah, Superman, he can do everything. He can do literally everything. He can turn back time, actually. But the one thing he wanted in, in the whole entire world was just to see his son grow up. That's the only thing he wanted. He just wanted to see his son grow up. It was fucking awesome. It's a great book. It hit hard. Fuck, fucking crying. What the fuck, man? Um, but yeah, A World Without Superman. Highly recommend it. Read Dark Crisis. Um... That ends it. Fuck, man. Jesus Christ. All right. So that's the end of Honor Hero. I got to go to a party now. Um, I hope you guys had a good time. I had a great time catching up. Um, please take into consideration reading those comic books that I gave you. Watch She-Hulk. It's amazing. And I'm going to try my hardest, whether it's me alone or me with somebody, 
to constantly put out some episodes and uh, keep you guys entertained and informed with everything superhero related, comic books, movies, television shows. I'll do my best. I appreciate all you guys for listening um, for this on a hero slash comic class episode. And um, until next time. Thanks, guys.